episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Hello and welcome to the War Talking Drums podcast. Today I'm joined by my buddy Kale Costello. Am I pronouncing that right? Sure are. Is that uh, oh fuck, perfect, bud, perfect. All right, how you how you doing, man? What what have you been up to? Uh, and like you know how how's drumming going for you? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, like I was, we were talking. My day job permits me to come home and play drums a lot, so that's nice. Um, play drums yeah. almost every day in the afternoon for a couple hours before the wife gets home. So that's awesome. I, uh, as far as like yeah. new stuff, uh, Duskwalker, we kind of been working on a cover album. We're trying to teach ourselves how to record good and, uh, just take things into our own hands a little more. And, uh, so we got a seven song cover album coming out. I doubt we'll press it because, you know, no one's playing shows and to put a cover album out, you got to get the rights and stuff like that. And it just doesn't seem like economically pop, you know, it doesn't make any sense right now, but we will be putting it online. So I think we're going to do like a seven week Mm -hmm. campaign where we put a song out a week and just uh, try to ride that wave for a little while. The cool thing is uh, if you don't press it, you can take the money that you would have put into making physical copies into promotion yes so you can get it out to more people yeah like actually hiring uh someone to do pr absolutely and go more professional route with your online advertising rather than just getting a thousand copies because realistically you have to get at least a thousand copies pressed of anything uh, just for the price point that these places have, yeah, and because if not, you're throwing money out the window, and and then you have 800 copies sitting underneath your bed for the next five years, and uh, not making you any money. So, uh, yeah, dude, I I think that's a, a great idea. Just you know, uh, especially also because it's all covers, so. You have to pay for the rights of every single one of those songs on there. Yeah, uh, I'm curious, what uh, what kind of covers are you doing? Are you just covering death metal bands, or are you uh, gonna take some punk or pop tunes and make them death metal? Or uh, what's the what's the vibe of this album? Well, okay, so basically, we all wanted to pick a tune, so that would be four songs, and then we were uh, booked to play our friend's backyard Halloween party. And we thought, oh, fuck it, let's just play all covers, pick some kind of Halloween-themed covers and play the show. Whatever got canceled because of COVID. So we thought, okay, well, we'll add a couple more tunes to the list to record. Uh, And we thought, you know, like some of our picks were death metal songs. And we kind of thought, well, we are a death metal band, basically. So, like, I don't know, why don't we pick 
metal songs, but not in our genre, so we can beef them up a bit. Like, if we were to redo a Morbid Angel song, it's like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to do a Morbid Angel song better than Morbid Angel, right? So we thought, yeah, fuck. exactly. Yeah, we thought, you know what, let's just pick stuff from our past that we love. And yeah, we pick in some old thrash tunes. We got an old Metallica song on there. Uh, we got an old Chromeg song. Um, we got some Guar. We got some Motley Crue. Nice. Uh, we got some COC oh, and some Dokken and oh, and some Van Halen. So oh the, shit, eh? Yeah, these wow. tunes aren't you know like a we're a death metal band, but a lot of our roots are in traditional metal and stuff and you know hard rock. So for us, it makes sense to play these songs because we love that genre, and uh, I think it'll just. It'll just be better than doing a bunch of death metal songs if we kind of beef up all these old school songs and give them a new modern edge and pump them up. Yeah, and uh, all these songs that have more traditional vocals, having uh, your vocalist Joey there doing some death metal screams over them, just making yeah. them more intense and in your face. And yeah, add some blast beats in. Exactly. And, yeah, man. We want to try to get yeah, them a little that- more tonal. You know, we want to kind of elevate the band slightly out of the death metal realm, so it'll just show people that we are a little more well-rounded. And so Joey, yeah, he's you know, even though he's brutal, we're kind of pushing him to use a bit, a little bit more tones in his voice. I'm trying to convince Krista yeah. from Lotharo to guest on the Dawkins song because I think she'd do a great job. So I need to try and convince her of that because you know no, we're not hitting those Dawkins highs, so someone has to. No. Well, dude, hey, you uh you helped them out. Uh so why come on, return the favor. Krista, if you're you're listening, you know, come on. <laughs> help, help your boy out here. All right. So yeah, like I, you uh, know, speaking of which, I didn't want to put her on the spot, but you know, it it would be awesome if she did it. Yeah, it would. Don't worry. I'll 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 drag her out there <laughs> to do some <laughs> Some guest vocals. It's all good. Uh, so speaking of which, though, um, this was a little over a year ago. Uh, Lotharo's Wings of Agony EP was released that you had the pleasure of recording drums on. I did. Um, I'm, I'd like to just like touch on on that because um, it. Yeah, I I was the one who suggested you because I knew that you would kill it uh i i was playing drums for anyone out there i was playing drums for lotharo i did their first ep uh and it, i was playing for i want to say like five bands at the time um and since they live like 45 minutes an hour away from me it just stopped being kind of feasible for yeah. me to jam twice a week you can't so, blame me for that um yeah <laughs> And, uh, you know, you were the first guy in my head um, as soon as, like, I wanted to help them out uh, by finding somebody to kind of continue jamming with. And I knew they were writing and wanted to do a new, new EP. So you were the first guy that came to mind um, since you guys are all kind of in that Niagara region-ish area. Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad that everything worked out, man. The The record sounds fantastic. But... How was it stepping in um, to a band 
kind of with knowing that you were just a session guy, knowing that you were there to pretty much just record the record, help with like the writing of the drums and everything and, and piecing it together. But you were just there for that. Like you, you weren't doing any live shows with them. I no, I understand. No, so it was, no. it was just focused on the album. What what was that process like coming in, and have you ever done that with any other band? Uh, okay, so f- first of all, it was great working with Lotharo. They asked me to join, and things were going to start getting busier with Duskwalker, and for me, it's about a 40-minute drive away, too, so it just, and at the time, I was working a lot, too, uh, so it was hard for me to get out there. Um, so I turned them down and then about a month or two later, Victor called me again and said, are you sure? And I said, okay, you know what? It sounds like you guys just need a drummer to get your album done for now. At least I'll do your album. Uh, I can't join, but I will totally 100% put my time into making your album. Awesome. I said, you know, I'll do it for free because these songs are good. They're really well written and I can see the potential in them. Uh, so I just thought, you know, that's just another good thing to have under my belt as a drummer. I knew they would take the time and take the care to record the rest of the album properly and to put the money into the PR and stuff like that. So I knew it was, it was going to be something worth doing. Uh, I hadn't really done session work for a band that I didn't join. I joined Haymaker, a Hamilton hardcore band. They've been around for like over 20 years, I think. Um, I joined them, and I did uh, an LP with them, but uh, or an EP, either, depending on what you want to look at it. But uh, I joined them for a little over a year, and then I just I played a couple shows with them, and I quit. But I've never actually done an album for a band where all I had to do was the album and not have to worry about shows, which was great because I was still able to do my thing with my band, and just come home and really concentrate on their music and not have to worry about learning your songs and, you know, prepping for shows and stuff like that. I could just really concentrate on the new stuff. I had to learn a couple of the tunes you did. I think I only had to learn two or three just to show them that I could handle the style. And then from then on, it, we were just focusing on uh, the new EP. Nice, man. And I know... um Close to the end of when I was jamming with them, there's it was when they were starting to work on this new material. So I actually learned, I think, two songs. Well, you guys were playing Black Diamond, uh, or Diamondback, sorry, Diamondback Live. Yeah, when you were still, yeah, 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 yeah. We were playing Diamondback, and then there was one other one. Uh, at the time, it didn't have a name for it, but there's one other one that they're in the process of writing. Um, so we, we would jam that, uh, and I think it was pretty much done, um, by the time I left. Uh, so, but it was, it was really cool get like listening to the EP after you did it and just hearing like the, the slight, um, the different changes that you did compared to what I did, uh, when I was jamming with them through the same songs. It's really cool just hearing the, the, the different energies that different drummers, uh, like different takes on different parts and everything like that. Uh, even though the style was there and it's solid and, and everything, it's just, you, you hear the, uh, for better or worse, like the, the, the differences between 
uh, styles and playing, and it was really cool. It's a lot of fun to listen to, man. Yeah, for sure. And it is cool because, you know, we're buds and it's kind of cool for me to come in and do something after you. You know what I mean? And now we got Duvall in there mm-hmm. and now he's their permanent drummer. So he's going to start playing all the stuff we did a little differently and then add his new, you know, style to their stuff. So it's cool just to be kind of part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Uh, they're, they're a killer band. They're I I think um, one of their videos hit over two hundred thousand uh, views, which is awesome for a independent for sure. band from Hamilton. Uh, and you know they're they're killing it, and uh, hope like big things for them uh, in the future. So I think that you'll see yeah, a, like I- a big. Uh, a big rise uh, from the shows they were playing before the pandemic yeah. <laughs> to after the pandemic, right? Yeah, it, it yeah. won't surprise it, me, you know, labels seeking them out and them getting a couple offers. Like, they have the, you know, the star power, basically. I think they could they keep doing what they're doing. They could get probably pretty big. I probably should have joined the band. Yeah, <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I'm kind of yeah. thinking that now too. It's like, fuck, why did I shouldn't have left? I that's the reason I started playing with them in the first place. Not only are they uh, are good friends and and awesome, we we would hang out and party all the time, but uh, I just saw potential in in their music. Like I knew that it was going to take a little bit before everything was. Um, like all there but i saw so much potential in what they're doing and drive in the in the musicians which is yeah like really the only reason why i uh i suggested you because i i wouldn't have put you into a position with a bunch of people that uh i didn't uh respect or think highly of so yeah even before you recommended me i started seeing their stuff i started seeing the video for unleash the beast and stuff like that, and I thought, oh shit, like this band's from around here. I'm like, awesome. You know what I mean? It's just good to see another pro output band from around here. So they were on my radar before yeah. you recommended me, and then when you recommended me, I thought, you know what? Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, fuck it. You know, good times, man. Uh, so moving away from Lotharo, sweet dudes. Shout out, you know, Victor, yep. Krista, and the crew. Great, great people. Um, yeah, and John can't forget about John. Uh, he's the the old man. <laughs> I love him. Uh, I know he'd be pissy if I didn't mention him. So, um, but let's let's uh, dive more into drumming. Um, okay. When you sit down at your kit, I know a lot of times after you work all day or whatever, it's hard to motivate yourself. But do you have anything to get you off your ass? If you come home, maybe you want to crack a beer. You want to, you know, watch some TV, just relax a bit after a hard day's work because, you know, we're, we work full-time jobs, um, and you know, we're not, uh, making a full-time living at playing drums. Right. But, uh, it's a massive part of our lives. So is there anything, uh, you do to motivate yourself to hop on the kit like, or is it, uh, kind of like, uh, some days you need a break Oh, and other days, you know, you're just uh, excited to get home and, and make some noise? Uh, absolutely. Like, I know what you're saying. Some days, because dr- extreme drumming, it's such a physical thing. 
sometimes looking at your drum kit, mm-hmm. you're tired. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm never going to be able to summon the energy to hop back there. Uh, but, you know, when you do do it and you do push yourself to go do it, you feel so much better after. And I know after, you know, even if it's only a 20-minute rip on the drums or an hour, you feel a little bit more accomplished at the end of it than you did before. Like, it's it's never a waste of time just jamming by yourself on the drums, right? So mm-hmm. to come home and be motivated sometimes, like, I'll, I'll hit a quick bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hop back behind <laughs> the drums. Um, it's a little easier to stay motivated lately because I have bought an interface and the laptop and the microphones, and I'm trying to teach myself how to just do what I do better. So that is motivation because I got the gear now and it's just fun, right? Sometimes I have like drummers ADD and I I don't really care about the settings and things and then I'll record something and it'll be clipping. But it's because I just want to get drumming, right? Um, yeah, absolutely, man. But yeah, like I guess, uh, you know, the gear is a little bit of inspiration. And But, you know, if I've been drumming for like three, four, five days in a row after work, I'll take like two, three days off after, you know what I mean? Like, and then, and then when you get back on, you do feel like reinvigorated a little bit. It's good to take a little break. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's always like, if, if you can power through, especially if you're just starting out, you want to, you want to be practicing as much as possible. Um, but, uh, at a certain point, you can end up doing more damage uh, if you're doing like crazy rigorous, uh, like pushing your speed and, and everything like that. Um, you can actually do some muscle damage and stuff. So it's good. It's good to take breaks and everything. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on, cause I literally right before we hopped on this, I was having a conversation um, with my girlfriend about this is about having new gear. I see so many people on the internet, like professionals or like professional people who are saying um, that gear isn't necessary or it's not needed or this, that, and the other thing uh, for certain things. But even just having that new gear can be so inspiring to want to play more. You know, like when I get a new snare drum, I want to play every single day. Mm-hmm. Did I need that new snare drum? No, right. absolutely not. I have like a dozen others, but <laughs> just having that new gear make makes me inspired and makes me motivated to want to hop on the kit and try new things. And the same thing goes for any gear, like. Like you say, you got some new recording gear and you, you're going down that rabbit hole, which is endless. You know, I've I've spent endless hours over the past six to eight months um, going down that route as well, because, you know, we're all stuck at home. Um, might as might as well learn some new things uh, while we're here. And I have a place to record all my own drums and everything. So that's, that's been a process. Um, but that's great to hear that, that you have all that and that it has motivated you because a lot of people would just get frustrated with it. Something like recording when, when we're used to just like, all right, like get the band in the room, maybe we're playing to a click track, you know, but 
for the most part, there's not a whole lot of technology involved in, you know, brutal metal. Right. So, you know, you're running triggers, like the very basics, but when it comes to recording and making sure that you have your your gain staging set and, and everything's coming through clearly and you're tuning on your heads and, like, there's Light just positioning. so many different things <laughs> when it comes to recording. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a noob. I'm, you know... I even just figuring out a DAW system in the beginning was like a big step for me. And uh, it's kind of like one of those mm-hmm. things where you learn out of necessity. You're sick and tired of doing things one way. <laughs> so you're like, there's got to be a better way. And then you, you know, you teach yourself the shortcuts and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like, you yeah. know, like I said, with the ADD and you want to just get going and start recording right away. Well, sometimes I, you know, I need to be patient and I need to slow down. And I need to check the positioning of the mics because let's face it, like, you know, the, you know, if it's, if it's going into the DAW good, it should come out good. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't polish a turd yeah. is uh, what they say. So, but man, uh, I know when I first started doing some like small drum videos and stuff like that, I didn't know how to properly work uh a DAW or I think I had like Cubase 4 back then um and what I didn't have an interface or anything right. either so what I would actually do is run like two mics through my like little mixer that I had that I ran my trigger so I'd have my trigger and then like a couple mics placed around the kit to try to capture something sure and then i'd have to mix that on the mixer wow and then send that out to i think what i would do is send it like to my phone and then capture that audio at the same time i'm I'm filming but it just so i had to like pre-mix it on this tiny little board it was so fucking (laughs) so shitty it sounded like garbage um and now that i can actually like properly record raw tracks and everything it's uh well yeah look how how far you've come right so much happier it's just like one of those obsessive things like you keep and same with like uh your knowledge for your instrument it's that'll never end either right like no no it 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 never ends as soon as you stop learning it's kind of like you've just given up uh yeah (laughs) so you know um so when you when you go to practice if you're going to be recording a video or something like that that's one thing um because i know that you're getting into doing playthrough videos and and covers and all that uh with your new recording setup and everything um but do you do any like uh just like practice routines where you'll sit down and take like an hour and just focus on like your feet uh or your hands and and try to keep because after a little bit, I, I especially find is if I step away from my kit for too long or if I don't do these exercises that I start losing uh, my speed and tightness, and then uh, I'll be playing, uh, like, rehearsing songs that are maybe, like, a more mid-tempo thing for a couple weeks. Uh, and then if I try to do something more up tempo i'm like oh wow like i you feel rusty I don't have that speed anymore <laughs> yeah i need to i need to sit down and do like an hour of intense exercise 
uh, on speed for my feet, and then I'll be like, okay, now now I'm able to do it back again. Like it comes back quicker now than it used to, like say like five years ago. But uh, is there is there any exercise you do to kind of like keep up uh, with your speed and tightness of uh, what when doing extreme drumming? Um, yeah, like I experience the exact same thing. If I don't do a particular style for a long time, I do lose the muscle memory. And then if I notice that, well, then it comes to my attention. Then I'm like, oh, I better work on that. Uh, I would mainly say I do it mostly for my feet. I don't really do it for my hands because they can warm up pretty quick. But yeah, like when you start losing Mm. the muscle memory in your legs, like, you know, it's like you feel ashamed, right? It's like agonizing listening to yourself play so sluggish. So uh, yeah, I will just hit the fucking kicks for like an hour, practice to metronome, like high hundreds into low 200s and just kind of keep bringing it up. I remember when I did that Lotharo album, they got a lot of high tempo trim and a lot of long double bass sections. So I really had to just work on keeping the endurance. Like a lot of their drums were already pre-programmed and I just got to put in my own accents and fills and things like that. But, you know, they had a lot of kicks running with the riffs. So I wanted to keep that. So I just thought, shit, man, I got to, I got some work I got to do. I got to fucking get my legs up to speed. Um, as far as far as hands, if I can play for about forty minutes, I feel like I'm warmed up about after forty minutes. I feel like I could play anything after about forty minutes. You know what I mean? Like you just your your synapses are just firing so quick that you feel like you could learn something really quick too. You know, but uh, mm-hmm. ma- mainly for my feet because you know it's you gotta I I once in a while you know tried doing doubles for fucking 20 minutes just to break up you know the routine and i still suck at those but like i'll get them one day man my doubles with my feet have been so atrocious when i it was probably like six months ago i was like dead set on i'm fucking learning yeah. doubles. <laughs> it's happening because it's got to be like, ergonomically and- way better right like you're gonna you use way less energy and go for longer and be faster, right? So mm-hmm. it's worth learning. I want to do it too. Yeah, and there was this this power metal band that I was um, doing some audition videos for, if you will, and they just have these extremely long parts at like two twenty. Yeah, and I was like, man, like I can do it. There's no like, there's no problem with that. I can physically do it but i'm like it's taking up so much energy that my hands are suffering a little bit right so i was just and i've talked to a lot of guys and they're they're like fucking double strokes man like get on it like for those higher tempos you can focus on your hands a lot more and you're just doing straight double kick it's not like you have to think about your polyrhythms and this foot leads and then you're doing two with this and then one there then like that that is where it gets confusing in my head Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i think it's easier just to do straight hits um but i was like i'm fucking learning this and i kind of took a break from it because i had a whole bunch of other stuff that i had to focus on um and now i'm kind of going back 
and I'm like, man, I'm this is I'm so terrible at this. <laughs> I'm I have not made any headway mm-hmm. from the time I I started trying to do doubles. So uh, it might become more of a focus, but my swivel is just. I don't know. It's almost become easier. Yeah. Well, it's because uh, that's recently. your thing, right? Like you've spent so long developing that. That's your go-to. Mm-hmm. Just feels good, right? Mm. And I, uh, I used to use the uh, trick dominators all the time. Like that was my main pedal, mm-hmm. hands down. That's it. But uh, since I'm recording a lot of stuff that I want a natural kick drum for, mm-hmm. I. I like to use one kick drum, uh, so I actually have a set of axis mm-hmm. uh, that is a double pedal, not two singles. So I've been using that a lot, and the swivel just comes so so smooth right. on those pedals, man. I I'm really glad that I got a set of the axis, and I think I want another set. Uh, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I really want the uh, what the A1 lasers. Yeah, those are nice. I think they're called. I am so jealous of everybody who owns those pedals because they are so sexy. Uh, I love them so much. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, do, do you have any specific routines you do? Or is it kind of just set the metronome and, and have fun with it? Yeah, like I can just set the metronome and just jam with myself, whatever's running through my head. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just kind of like, you know, just play upbeat stuff and then, you know, do like the halftime breakdowns, but still having the double kick running through it just so you can kind of go back and forth between high tempo and slow ones, but maintain that double bass intensity. One thing that helped me. Um, when I was really trying to get my speed and tightness up there, um, uh, was I would, I would go from eighth notes to 16th. Uh, so like one bar of eights, one bar of 16th, one bar of eights, two bars of 16th and keep adding a bar of 16th. But once I got to like, say like 16 bars of 16th, I would do two bars with like half notes on the snare and then two bars with quarter notes on the snare and then uh, like like keep changing my hands so that my snare lands on the ands and then the next bar it lands on the beat and then always changing my hands while focusing on keeping my kicks tight because I found when I would switch how my hands uh, were grooving that my kicks would fall off with that change. Right. It would, it would slightly fall off with the change and then like keep like then get back on. But focusing on keeping the kicks tight while changing your hands, uh, I found helped keeping my, getting my kicks to tighten up fully Um over time so like that that was a a big game changer for me when i when i really focused on that and man back then i was i was doing like two three hours of of like just kicked around uh exercises a day like four or five days a week you know outside of 
uh, any band rehearsals or anything like that. Like, yeah, I would go to town on it. These days, it's not quite the same. I think I spend more time uh, doing podcasts than behind <laughs> the kit these days. So, well, I think it <laughs> shows because your swivel is consistent, and you can do it at high speeds and. You know, you can tell you have the endurance to go as many bars as you need to. That's it, man. Um, like, honestly, I, I I could probably keep it for five minutes right. and it'd still be okay. It's a long time. Right? Like, the swivel. Uh, I, I And I can't even keep single strokes um, without the swivel, just, like, straight hits. I can't even do that for a minute. Right. Like I tense up so badly. I don't know how you how you do it, but uh man, you and Derek as well is the same way, man. He he plays like upwards of, of like 240, 260 wow. and all just just straight hits and I'm like, "Fuck, dude. I I couldn't even fathom playing that fast without doing the swivel technique right. in any way." I think like I think we're gonna start to try to get into some higher tempos, like two forty and thing and up. I max out at around two twenty with a single footed blast, which I think is pretty fucking fast. Uh, it's solid. I used to do singles between two legs for fast blasting, but I just would mm. listen to my kicks after, and I just thought they were kind of sloppy. So the last Duskwalker album, I wanted to really focus on my single-footed blast, just the old school Pete Sandoval one-footed blast. You know what I mean? And uh, so I worked on that, and it in the recording, it really cleaned up my blasting, and it it I'm really happy with the technique now. And I can get up to like 220 single-footed blast, but anything after that, I'm probably gonna need to switch over into like the hyper blast mode. Yeah, um, I will say that um, single-footed blasts are not my strong suit. It took a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> for And especially recently, I've been working on some stuff, and it's not fast enough that doing, like, two feet is comfortable, mm-hmm. but it's just quick enough that doing a single foot uh, isn't good either struggle for right. me yeah so i'm kind of like fuck what do i do uh like so i i just i just have to work on it but traditional blasts have have never been my strong suit to begin with right uh crimson never really used them so it wasn't a technique that i and i never really focused on my hands right i'll be the first to admit that my hands are my biggest downfall I think with uh, the single foot of blast, it was my foot that, because you kind of lead the single foot of blast with your foot, so your foot has to kind of be yeah. ahead of everything. So it, like my friend Justin DePinto from Waco Jesus, he's also played with like Malevolent Creation and stuff. I I texted him one time and I was like, dude, can you give me any advice for a single foot of blast? Because he's awesome at it. And he said, just pretend it's like a basketball. You got to maintain that dribble with your foot. And mm-hmm. I thought that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But like, I don't know. For me, a big problem is, uh, I can keep my foot on, but like your, your right foot and your right hand have to lock in together. Yeah. Like that's the big thing. Sure. And then your left hand is, it can kind of drag behind a little on the offbeat. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I always, I always find that my my left hand wants to like go back onto the beat, right? Um, so I'm kind of like swaying, um, like on the beat and then off the beat again. Like it's just, it's something I got to work on. Yeah, like I, th- um, I think a lot of people assume it's just everything at once, but it's really just the right hand and the right foot together, and then your left hand just slightly behind it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's playing on all the all the ands. So if you think of it like, uh, like just single strokes, sixteenths with your sticks, right? Yeah. But one's on the ride and one's on the snare, right? So I, I don't know. Hands, hands have always been my downfall, and I've been trying to get on the practice pad just so I can focus on them a lot more. That is my biggest thing. It's I I, I hop on my kit, but. At the same time, I, I think actually sitting down with a practice pad might be more beneficial right. for me. So when I hop on the kit, I've already put in the practice to my hands, and then I can utilize that practice while on my kit. Yeah. So that's that's my biggest thing. And also, it doesn't make as much noise. Uh, so right. the, the rest of the people in my house don't hate me as much. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> uh, super versed on the 40 different rudiments that there are. Uh, but, uh, when I was a kid, like I took lessons around six to 10 years old and that's when I did develop all those, you know, basic rudiments and then growing mm-hmm. up and just kind of wanting to play ACDC when you're a kid, those rudiments kind of just like go to the wayside and I'm actually not even, yeah. I didn't start really <laughs> using them again a lot until recently because I feel like it is part of my playing, but I wasn't using it because who uses that type of stuff in hard rock and heavy metal, you know what I mean? But it, mm-hmm. I, I really use it a lot to express myself on the kit. So now I'm just, I'm more open to using some of the skills I learned when I was a kid because, it, it, you know, I'm just being more creative with the fills and stuff now. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, um, like in the genres that we play in like hard rock and metal, death metal and everything, um, kind of scoff at the, at the scoff at the whole idea of, of rudiments and like learning this and that, um, from a kind of hard headed approach to it. Like, Oh, just fucking blast at right. 260 and you're good. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> it really, Having those rudiments um, ingrained in you allows you to express yourself artistically around the kit uh, much easier uh, for sure. than somebody who doesn't. And I know for myself, because I never took lessons and I never took the time to learn my rudiments or anything, I kind of got thrown into playing extreme metal. Just right away. I always loved it, but I... I kind of got thrown into it with playing with Crimson, so I had to work on on my my speed chops before I got to really experiment and and learn um, how to express yourself, my rudiments and everything. Yeah, right. So there were a number of times where I had ideas in my head that I couldn't express on the kit because I didn't have the skills yet. Yeah. So. Doing those basic rudiments and and really focusing on that, even though while you're doing it, you're like, this is stupid and lame, it actually, in the end, will allow you to express whatever is in your head much easier when you get there. Absolutely. 
Cause, yeah. Because if you don't even have a couple rudiments under your belt, you're still gonna you're you're always gonna do that same fill leading with your right, descending down, you know what I mean? If you can just work up your left mm-hmm. hand, you can work your way out of that fill with your left hand and do and change it and you know what I mean? So I've been tr- just trying yeah. to focus on that and just trying to like <clears throat> lead with my left a little more or give my left hand the lead in the middle of a fill just so I'm not playing the same crap over and over. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because eventually, you know, when you've been playing as long as we have, <laughs> shit starts to get a little stale and boring, so you got to mix things up a bit, right? Yeah, like if you care about uh, what you do, you should you should try to progress a little bit. Like from album to album, I'll I'll listen to an album that I did and be like, wow, I was really utilizing that fill a lot on that album. Okay, next album, I don't want to play that fill fucking once. You know what I mean? New licks, new licks. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. Always. I know. I know. There's there's some fills that I definitely have overdone in the past. And uh coming up to the, the next couple records I'm I'm doing. Uh I have several set up for this year and uh all of them are, are vastly different, thank God. Nice. So And then yeah, yeah you'll listen back and you'll uh, be like, Hey, I progressed. There's proof. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, all right, dude. Um, I think this is a this is a good place to to end this, man. It's been great chatting with you. Uh, it's been a while since we've really had a good talk, so you know it's fun. I uh, I like to use uh, these podcast episodes as as a way to catch up with old yeah, friends, to see your stuff, friends again. So for sure. Yeah, exactly. Especially in 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 these times and everything, man. Like. Usually we'd run into each other at shows every now and again or end up playing together, you know, something. But, uh, man, it's been almost a year, and there's all these people that uh, I used to see at least, like, a couple times a year at certain uh, shows that, I, you know, you just just don't see. And so it's really awesome to uh, connect with with a blast bro. That's right. You know? Hashtag Blast Hashtag Bros. Hashtag Blast Bros. Yeah, that's right. That started yeah, with us. All day, buddy. Awesome, man. Is there uh, anything that uh, you want to uh, kind of promote on your end before we take off here? Uh, I guess just look out for the Duskwalker covers that'll be coming out. We'll uh, we'll probably be spamming people hard with it when it does come out. So that's about it. But I want to thank you for having me, man. I want to thank you for doing that mix on that last playthrough I did. Sounds awesome really happy with that yeah anyone uh anyone out there go check out uh new playthrough uh by kale here what's the song uh the, co- the codex strain it's off of the first Duskwalker album there you go yeah i just started uh, promoting it out. today so it'll be out there yeah go check that out i did the mix on the drums for this fun gentleman who killed it no editing involved it was nice, fantastic yeah. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And uh, I'm sure you're going to have more playthrough and drum videos coming up soon. So um, make sure you subscribe uh, to his his YouTube channel for some killer extreme drumming. Thanks, bud. No problem, man. All right. we'll, uh, We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. It was great seeing you. Thanks for having me. 
Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.